Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf for the day, Masachat Sukkah, daf Mem Zion, page forty-seven. So, as we have been progressing our way through the Sukkot holiday, Sukkot holiday, not exactly, but the Sukkot mitzvot and the, and so on, right? We have to some degree addressed Yantiv and Cholamoid, and now we're actually going to get to what you know is really after the Sukkot holiday, Shmini Atzeret. Now, the fact that we call this day, Shmini, the eighth of the day of the Chag, Chag referring to, Chag is always the Gemara term for Sukkot, is kind of, you know, begs the question. I've just said that it's not the, the Sukkot holiday. So then what is it? It's called the eighth day. Isn't that the eighth day of Sukkot? But this halacha, this detail, actually kind of informs our understanding of this day as something that is not Sukkot. Namely, we say Zman. What is Zman? <clears throat> Excuse me. The bracha of Shechianu, which we already discussed a little bit yesterday, right? The bracha of Shechianu here is called Zman, that we make a bracha on the time itself, that we have, uh, you know, um, that God has brought us to this time and sustained us in health and, right, the idea that we recognize how lucky we are to have reached this milestone. And the milestone is always the fact that we are, you know, coming through the calendar cycle again. But we don't say Shechianu on a holiday that isn't a new holiday, right? So if we said Shechianu, and we do, on the first day of Sukkot, we don't say it on each of the days of Cholamoid. So the fact that we then do say it on this, quote, eighth day of Sukkot, which is no longer Sukkot, the way we know it's no longer Sukkot is the very fact that we say Shechianu, we've come to a new time, and it's worthy of making this bracha in some way or another, which we need to understand a little bit better still, but but that the very fact of the bracha is what is the dead giveaway that this is no longer Sukkot, as compared to Shvi Shal Pesach, which is also Holiday. We end off the holiday of Pesach with a day of Yantiv, but it's considered the same holiday, and there's no there's no Shechianu um, for Kiddush or candlelighting when you come to the last day of Pesach. So that makes it's a very um, strong distinction, and it's also it's kind of the the big reminder that Shemini Atzeret is its own holiday. So it's not exactly clear who who said this, right? Is it Rabbi Levi Barchama or Rabbi Chama Barchanina? And it's the kind of thing where once you've got the name Chama, whether it's the father's name or the guy, you know, the the sage's own name, it, we understand how that kind of confusion in a name could creep in. So the question is, how does this eighth day of this festival, this holiday, how does it distinguish itself from the rest of the festival? Because again, if it's got this time bracha, and I want to tell you here that it's a whole new holiday, then how is it any different from the rest of the holiday of Sukkot? And the answer is, according to Rav Levi Barchama or Rav Chama Barchanina, whichever one it was, that Shemini Atzeret is different from the rest of Sukkot in three ways. One is with regard to Sukkah. Meaning on Shemini Atzeret, there's no obligation to sit in a sukkah on the eighth day. If you live in Chutzlaretz and you have a minhag of sitting in, of a practice of sitting in the sukkah on the eighth day, or some people have a practice of making kiddush in the sukkah on the eighth day on Shemini Atzeret, it's because of the Sveka Dioma issue, you know, the one, two day Yantif shall 
Goliath, the fact that we have this question, well, was Yentif really this day or was it really that day? So then maybe you would make the Kiddush because maybe it's really the it's really the it's really Sukkot, so you better eat it in the Sukkah as opposed to being the new Shemini Yetzirah day. It's not because Shemini Yetzirah itself would require it. In Israel, on Shemini Yetzirah, nobody, but nobody, I mean, who's Israeli, uh, would be making Kiddush in a Sukkah. Even if their practice was that in in Europe or in America or whatever, they it's just, you know, it's impossible because it's so clear that it's a different day. It's a different holiday. There's no Yontav Sheni Shalgoliot. Okay, so with regard to sukkah, we don't have a sukkah on the eighth day. With regard to lulav, right, after we've had Hoshana Rabbah and we've set aside the palm branch and we've taken up the lulav, we don't go back and make another bracha on the lulav on the eighth day. We do not, there's no arba minim on the eighth day. And then lastly, with the nisu chamayim, nisu chamayim is a water libation, which is the pouring of the water, which is what they were doing all through Sukkot, right, which is a holiday in part, they're praying for the rain for the winter, right? Um, there's no water libation on the eighth day. Now, the Gemara goes on to say that for Rabbi Yehuda, who says that there is a water libation including on Shemini Yetzirah, he says, okay, so so then Shemini Yetzirah is different from the rest of Sukkot in only two matters, meaning specifically Wolov and Sukkah. And the Nisul Chamaim continues. But the fact is, because none of us really is doing the Nisul Chamaim today anyway, that distinction is unfortunately lost on us. Um, not conceptually, but in experientially. And then the Gemara goes on to ask about the Shvi Shal Pesach. Ihachi, Shvi Shal Pesach Nami. Why don't we say that the last day of, Yen- of Pesach, which is Yantif, shouldn't we also say that that's its own distinct day? We say it's a different obligation from eating matzah because on the first day of Pesach, there's an on Yantif, there's an obligation, there's a mitzvah distinctly to eat matzah, whereas on the last day of Pesach, while you cannot eat chametz, there's no mitzvah in achilat matzah. There's no mitzvah to eat the matzah specifically on that day. From then, from the first night, it's an obligation to eat matzah, and then after that, you know, you can, but you're not obligated to. So the rest is one second. There, you're talking about the halacha of the, you're talking about the seventh day being distinct from the first night, but the first day is also different from the first night in terms of the mitzvah of achilat matzah. So, so to come and say that the seventh day should be different from the first night when you already have that distinction in place on the first day is kind of pushing this this attempt a little bit too far as compared to Sukkot where the eighth day afilu miyom nami chaluk because the the eighth day is distinct in its halachot, meaning lulav and sukkah, and maybe nisuchamayim, as compared to the first day of sukkot, not just the first night, which, which is you know the, it, it kind of, I don't know, pokes fun almost at the suggestion that this would have worked because of the way the obligation to eat matzah comes down, and then Ravina has a different distinction. Ravina Amar zechaluk mishlefanav vzechaluk fanav. So what happens? He says. The on the eighth day of Sukkot, you know, we've got different halachot between the eighth day of Sukkot and the, all the days beforehand, and specifically on the seventh day, right beforehand, right? But on the seventh day of Pesach, right, the the distinction between the seventh day of Pesach and the sixth day of Pesach 
are are unrelated. Meaning, yes, we've got an Isra Malacha, we've got a day of Yantif, but in terms of the Matzah Mitzvah, it's too many days in between to say that this is the big deal, right? As opposed to you have seven days of Sukkot, you have seven days of of Lulav and seven days of of Sukkah, and now we've got a whole new practice, and we're going to call it a new day, and we're going to make a Shachiano Bracha. Um, and then we have, you know, the the different members of Chazal come and have, you know, a whole variety of different understandings, different explanations as to why it is that Shminat Seret is considered a distinct festival. Each one says, you know, this one talks about the different Korbanot, and this one talks about, um, I'm just looking ahead on the daf, um, the the verses that commanded, you know, suggest that it's going to be a different time. Um, and I don't, I don't want to get bogged down in, you know, there's one, two, three, four, four or five different detailed explanations to what's going on, um, which I can recommend highly that anybody who, you know, wants to pursue this further can read inside. It's not that it's that difficult. It's just that the idea, I think, is clear that, I mean, and again, I guess we could ask, you know, Everybody kind of knows that Shemini Atzeret is already its own holiday, and the proof of it is in the way the fact that we have these different practices. So then all of these members of Chazal are coming to say afterwards, like, oh, and look, here's another way it's different, and here's another way it's different, to kind of flesh out the the identity of Shemini Atzeret as its own day. Well, I think this is a really interesting Gemara because it's being written bubbly, right? It's being written in the diaspora. So this question of, is it a separate holiday? Is there confusion about the calendar? Is not a discussion that you're going to find in the Yerushalmi. This is a unique, bubbly type of discussion. And I just want to, you know, sort of make that point to everybody when they read this stuff, just to think about that. You know, this is some of these questions around what's going on and are you making a Shachianu? And, you know, how is it different with Pesach? I, there's a there's a diaspora tone here, which I think is different than the discussion that you would find in a Yerushalmi on this. That's really interesting because to me, this reads very Eretz Yisraeli, meaning we're talking about the seventh day. We're not talking about the eighth day. We're not the discussion of Yom Tov Sheni Shalgoliot is just my own interjection. I think I don't think that the Gemara worries about it here to say. Um, Oh, I'll have to read it again more, you know, carefully again, well, whatever. They, they do mention, I hear what you're saying. So now I'm like flipping a little bit towards your side, right? Like, yes, maybe you would have expected that they would have spent more time talking about the confusion with the calendar. But I guess the question is, is that ever brought up at all in the Yerushalmi ever, where it is brought up here a little bit? Okay, I hear that. I hear that. And, and again, I, I mean, I... To that. But Anne, you know when we're going to find out? I'm letting on everyone you. know now. I think <laughs> Anne and I should do our next podcast on Daf Yomi Yerushalmi, but we're many years away from that. But anyhow, <laughs> that, that, that's just my, my question about that. We have to also remember that we had this question, which is yet its own challenge. Um, in any case, I think that the, the Gemara is um, very firmly establishing Shemini Atzeret as its own day. I, no, that I agree. And, and it's very clear that it is um, and, you know, that it's it, there's no question about it. Um, I'm going to move on to something on Ahmed Bet, which is an interesting discussion uh, that happens with um, with uh, Bikurim. And part of what this discussion here is that they bring up this issue about Pesach Sheni, which interestingly, I do not recall that came up on Pesach. And it's a question of if there's a 
requirement that you have to sort of stay overnight. In other words, the idea of Pesach Sheni was that you go a month later in ER, right, on Yudzal ER, you shecht your Korban Pesach, and then you eat it on the night of Tetvav, right? And presumably this was done in Yerushalayim. This had to be done in Yerushalayim. But the question is, did you have to stay over in Yerushalayim that night? And so what the Gemara discusses here is, no, there's no obligation with Lena, right? There's no obligation that a person actually um, needs to, um, you know, stay overnight because you're not doing anything that's Pesach during the day the next day. This is sort of a one and done mitzvah that just takes place um, at night. And so in their discussion of this, uh, Rabbi Yehuda um, brings up the idea that with, when it comes to Bikurim, right, there is an obligation of Ta'un Lina, that a person, when you bring the Bikurim, you would have to stay over um, uh, on that night. But Rabbi Yehuda would exclude Pesach Sheni from that requirement of staying overnight. And then the Gemara sort of gets sidetracked again into some issues around Bikurim, which I wanted to read because, Anne, as you've pointed out many times before, Bikurim, um, you know, uh, does not have its own Gemara. Um, and so it's interesting to see when we do see pieces of it actually sort of pop up because it's part of Zoram. It really was sort of like, even though it's a holiday technically, right, it would take place on Shavuot, it's really an agricultural mitzvah. And therefore, the Babli doesn't talk about it. And so the Gemara here, you know, quotes a brisa of Rabbi Yehuda that goes through some of the requirements or some of the practices around Bikurim. Ditanya, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Bihinachto. So Rabbi Yehuda says that in the Pasuk in Devarim, in chapter 26, verse 10, where it says, Bihinachto, you shall set it down. In other words, you set down the basket of the Bikurim. Zotinufa. This is actually the action of waving the Bikurim before um, before the Mizbeach. Ataomer, Zotinufa, O, Eno Elahanachamamash. So you can basically ask, is this really talking about waving when it says this word of Vihinachto? Uh, or is it saying you literally just need to set it down? Right? Because when the Torah says to set it down, you, 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 so you set it down. So the question is then, what does it mean to say that you set it down? Because you set it down already, right? It's that you actually have to wave it. Vidilma Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov And so then the Gemara basically wants to ask, maybe this brisa, going back to the discussion, that one would have to actually stay overnight uh, for the first fruits of Yerushalayim is not really according to the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, but rather it's like Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. And again, I could have read a little bit earlier, but just for time's sake, I started here. So now they're going to quote a different Bryce of Vitanya. So here they're quoting the same Pasuk from Devarim of chapter 26, verse 4, where it says, and the priest will take the basket from your hand. We made So this teaches us that the, the Bikurim require waving. And this is the statement of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. My time is Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. So the question is, what is the, the reasoning of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. How did he understand getting waving um, from the first of, of the Bikurim? And he uses a different part of the Pasuk to get that, different than the, the one that we saw attributed to, um, to Rabbi Yehuda. Ete yad yad mishlamim. So here they sort of make a, uh, you know, they do this gezer shava, right? They take 
two words, similar words that appear in two different contexts and what they learn of in the context of one, they'll apply to the context of another. So the word Yad appears when it describes the Korban Shlamim, right? And the word Yad also appears as it describes Bikurim. Ketiv ha So in our case of Bikurim, it says the priest shall take your basket from your hand. Uktiv hatam, and later on when it's describing the Shlamim, this is in Vayikra chapter 7, verse 30, it says, Yadav to Vienna et Ishe Hashem. His own hand shall bring the offerings of Hashem made by fire. So Makan Kohen, just as here with, with Bikurim, a Kohen has to do the waving, Aflahalan Kohen. So too with the Shlamim, the Kohen has to do the waving. Umalahalan Valim, just as there with the Shlamim, the owner performs the waving, right? Avkan Valim. Right, maybe here also the owner performs the waving. So ha ketzad. So the question is, because of the way that this verbal analogy is done, this kazerashav is done, it's not clear which way are you learning it. Because from the context of one, it looks like maybe it's the priest who does it. From the context of the other, it looks like maybe it's the coin who does it. And so the question is, which one is right? Is it priest to priest that you're learning, or is it, you know, owner to owner that you're learning? But it obviously cannot be both, right? How would both of them do it at the same time? But the Gemara actually answers and says, no, it is that they do both. The way that it is, is that the, the owner would put his hands underneath the Shlemim or under the first fruits, and then the Kohen places his hands under the owner and waves it together. But the point of all this is, is that Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov requires this waving of the first fruits, and therefore... Um, the 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 brisa that started this whole discussion about Bikurim, right, really could have been in the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov and not the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. And then, um, uh, you know, so so this was just some of this discussion. So I didn't read the entire Gemara. I sort of started actually in the middle of it. But uh, I think it's interesting just to see how we take this huge tangent here to discuss some of the halachot around Bikurim. And the two major halachot here are whether or not it's Ta'un Lina, did you have to stay over in Yerushalayim that night? And the second one is, how was the waving actually done? And so we see two different sources, right? One an opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, one an opinion of Rabbi Lezer Yaakov, both from the same pasuk, but using different uh, verse, different parts, different phrases of each pasuk. And then some more description about how did the waving actually get done? And that the waving ultimately was done by the owner and by the Kohen, Right, the owner would hold it, and then the coin would put uh, their hands um, underneath. But it's interesting to see; it's not, you know, it's not a phrase that says in the pasuk you must wave the bikurim. All of this is learned, you know, sort of by midrash halacha and inference. So I'm going to make an observation. I think you will be pleased with for the next time you want to give shir on bikurim. Bikurim, right? We know is brought on shavuot. That's like the really the essence of bikurim, but also the text that we say to accompany Bikurim is an integral, perhaps the most integral part of the Haggadah. That's Pesach. And here we are in Masech having a whole discourse on Bikurim. So where we, there you've got your three regalim, three festival holidays, all centering around Bikurim. And I don't have an answer yet as to why that would, why this mitzvah is the crux of it. But I think there's something to it. Uh, so as you started speaking, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that? 
But you're right. I think there's something really nice that on the staff, all three were Gullim, all three of the, you know, holidays where you had to go up to Eretz Yisrael, all appear together. And I think part of the point, therefore, that the Gemara is making is that they're all sort of interconnected in different ways with each other. Um, and I think there's something very nice about that. Uh, before we conclude, we did put out our information about our CM upcoming for Masach and Sukkah, which God willing will be on August 29th. Uh, please look at our Facebook page um, or shoot us an email. It's also on our WhatsApp group. We sent the link for registration. Uh, we're going to be having a special speaker, Ellie Walder from uh, Naot Kidumim, which is known for this uh, very famous um, uh, exhibit that they always have on Sukkot of all the different types of Sukkot that are discussed. So we'll be hearing from her um, and we hope that you can join us. So with that, I'll conclude. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Neiman Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hydrum website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.